Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You can do that now when Love on your kids' envelope, you can just put down. Um, with your hands lifted up and say, say it like this. Take the limits off. Some of us have been on a special journey for Lent. We have made sacrifices. Can I get some help? And so I don't think it's robbery for us to sacrifice just a few hours to come out and have a sunrise service to celebrate the resurrection of the Lord. So I'm asking what we're doing. We're planning something special for that sunrise service. For so those persons that... In, for real, for real, going to come. We're asking that you give your name, that you will confirm your, your presence with our church clerk so that we can make preparations because we're going to have a small little continental breakfast for those who come out for sunrise service. Now, don't come here at 10 o'clock saying, where my breakfast, and you ain't came to sunrise service. But we're going to have sunrise service and a small continental breakfast for those who make their way out for sunrise. And then we are planning. I've already talked to Deacon Mayberry. We are planning on having a prayer walk after we break bread on Easter Sunday morning. We're going to pray in the Bronzeville community. We're just going to walk around the Bronzeville community praying for this community, praying that God will send people to be a part of our fellowship. We're going to be intentional 
We're not going to be knocking on doors. We're just going to be going out as teams, just walking, if the weather is good, and just praying. Amen? Ebenezer, evangelism is everybody's job. Everybody's job. We want to fill these seats. We want God to get the glory. We got to do our part. I know everybody can't walk long. If you have to bring your wheelchair, bring your wheelchair. We'll push it as we pray in this community. But we're going to be serious about evangelism in the days and weeks ahead. So, again, if you would confirm your presence uh, with the church clerk, go to bed early. Y'all don't have to stay up late on Saturday night, watch the Ten Commandments. Y'all already know what's going to happen. And come out for sunrise service. Also, we want to make mention that Ebenezer is one of the churches, one of the uh, faith communities that will be on the trolley uh, tour uh, that is being uh, that is occurring April 24th, I believe is the date. And I've been told by the organizers that the first trolley is already sold out, and they are planning for a second trolley. And what that is is that there will be people coming around to different churches, synagogues, and the like visiting churches and they are coming to Ebenezer. We're the only Christian church that they're coming to. And so in a very real sense, we are representing all of Christendom. And so we want to be prepared and ready to receive them. Because that's what evangelism is all about. It's about telling our story. And so uh, we are making preparations for that. Uh, you may have seen an article in the Chicago Sun-Times today that talked about this trolley tour because it happens that the month of April, all the various major religions have special dates in the month of April. And Ebenezer is representing Christendom in the month of April. And so we are excited that, that we have been um, one of the churches that will be there, will be visited. Also, we want to make mention that immediately after worship, uh, I won't be able to stay very long to greet people, so I want to let you know in advance there's an installation of Pastor Chris Farrell at Canaan Community Church. And so we want to go over there and support him. It starts at 1230 today, and so we'll be jetting out, going, running down 55th, and getting over there to support uh, his installation. Amen. Amen. Chris grew up in Ebenezer. This is his home church. And we celebrate God's elevation. Amen. Also, we understand that last week, uh, Sister Bernice Johnson celebrated 94 years of life. Amen. Amen. I don't know if she's here, but we certainly, I know it's the month of March, but we're celebrating. And I know Sister Freeman celebrated 80 years of life. And she did it in a grand style in Florida. Amen. Wish you could have brought some of that weather back with you. But to all of those who have celebrate birthdays in the month of April, we want to say to each and every one of you, happy birthday to you. Amen. Let's continue our worship this morning uh, as we continue to glory and honor to God.
Tyrone Hines this morning. Tyrone Hines, world-renowned saxophone player, player, plays all over Chicago and beyond, and we are grateful that he is with us this morning. Amen. Amen. Let us prepare now our hearts and minds for giving. This is our opportunity to participate in worship through giving, and I think it's a wonderful, wonderful thing to give back to God that which he's already given unto us. Amen. And Ebenezer, I need you to do what you know you're supposed to do. Amen. For those of you who are watching or online, we are thanking God for what God is doing, Ebenezer. But we need to be good stewards of our, of our resources so that we can get all the work that we need to get done, done in this place. Not only about the work getting done, but it's also about the ministry being funded in this church. Can I get some help this morning? Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Amen. God is blessing us, and we know that we are blessed 
to be a blessing. Let us pray. Eternal God, our Father, we are so thankful for this opportunity to give. We are thankful, O God, for the resources that you have blessed us with, O God. And we are so thankful, O God, to be able to see back into this, into this work for kingdom building. Bless those, O God, all of us who are able to give through Jesus Christ our Lord, we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. You can see on the screen there are five ways that you can give. There are five ways that you can give for those of you who are online watching our services. You can give through Zelle. You can give to text to give. You can uh, go on our webpage and you can give that way. However you choose to give, we thank God for your generosity and we thank God for your willingness to support the ministry and the work of Ebenezer Missionary Baptist Church, the birthplace of gospel music. Amen. generosity in your giving and for your faithful stewardship. At this time, we will have our time of prayer for our altar call. Perhaps there's some one that you are interceding on behalf of. Now is the time as we gather virtually uh, for altar call. Uh, we have an extensive prayer list this morning. And we will give voice to these names. And I know they're names that we are that are unknown to us. But God surely knows their names. We're lifting up in prayer Pastor Albert Simmons of First Paradise Baptist Church. Lifting up Lloyd Griffin, who was in Wentworth Rehab. Laney Ams, who is now recuperating at home. We're continuing to intercede on behalf of Crystal Davis, 
Continue to pray for Lindsay Mayfield, Marguerite Jones, the mother of Reginald Jones, Doris Robinson, the cousin of Beverly Stinson. Praying for Deacon Chester Coleman and Elise and Willie Grant. Lifting up Alfred Moore. Continue to pray for Kenneth Sexton, the son of Vivian Peake, Al and Mary Burton. Shirley Anderson, Mary Sumter, Grace Lee, Reverend Mary Grant, Sarah Phillips, praying for Mary Alexander, Rosa Conway, praying for our beloved Gladys Evans, Patricia Hatcher, Janice Carr, lifting up Reverend James Thompson, Mary Horton, praying for Albert Cheney, the son of Reva Cheney, Angela Williams, the daughter of Patricia Hatcher, a Johnny Clanton, son of Angela Clanton, Glorine Driver, friend of Sister Juanita Cooper. We're praying for David Pearson and Bernetta Pearson, the parents of Dr. Pamela Person. Praying for six-year-old Michael Jones, friend of Dorothy Gibson and family, Divine Lindsay. Praying for Stanley Stovall and Mary Dumas, the aunt of Natalie Dumas. We continue to pray for the people of Ukraine who are experiencing war in their country. We're praying right now for our faith community. I see you're praying for Audrey Barn, who is watching uh, all the way from Washington State, but who is with us online. We're lifting her in prayer. Let us go to God in prayer. Eternal God, our Father, we are so grateful to be able to pause now and lift these names. God, we're asking right now that you would have mercy upon each and every one of these persons whose names we have lifted, O oh God. You and you alone, O oh God, know what they're dealing with, what they're going with, God. You know what they stand in need of. And so, God, a few of your believing children, O oh God, are standing here interceding on behalf of them, asking, O oh God, that you would touch them in a special kind of way, that you would alleviate any pain or discomfort that they may be experiencing right now in the name of Jesus. God, we're asking for healing. We're asking, oh God, for restoration, oh God. We're asking, oh God, for renewal right now in the name of Jesus. We're praying right now, oh God, for our church community, oh God. We're praying right now, God, for favor uh, for Ebenezer, oh God. We're thanking you right now, God, for the doors that you have already opened, the doors you're opening right now, and the doors that you will open, God. We're asking, oh God, that you would bless our leadership today, oh God, in the name of Jesus, that they not get weary in well-doing, that if they thank not, oh God, they will reap a harvest. God, we ask that you would bless this service, oh God. For we recognize, oh God, that we need a word from the Lord today. So God, we ask that you would bless the balance of our service today, oh God. Call someone to join our fellowship right now in the name of Jesus, God. Cause us, oh God, to stand up in our faith, oh God, that we might be fishermen of men and women, boys and girls, oh God, that we will go beyond these doors, go beyond these walls, oh God, that we will go out, oh God, into the community, oh God, and compel those, oh God, to, that they can, find, they can find peace, oh God, in this place. 
that they can find love in this place, that they can experience a sense of belonging in this place, oh God. As we lift the name of Jesus and celebrate only you. God, we thank you. We thank you for the gift of life. We thank you for a reasonable portion of strength and health. We thank you, O God, that you allowed us to see a brand new day. A day we've never seen, a day we'll never see again. We thank you, God. We lift now this prayer upon the wings of the morn, place it before thy feet. To the all-wise God, we pray and for his sake we do pray. And all of God's people say it. Amen. Falling in love with Jesus, best thing I've ever, ever done. In his arms, I feel protected. In his arms, never disconnected. In his arms, I feel protected. No place I'd rather, rather be.
be thinking of you. Isn't that solo part? Okay, y'all looking strange. Thank God for Brother Hines, Tyrone Hines, here this morning again. We thank God for the vision of the music ministry as we celebrate Ebenezer being the birthplace of gospel music. We're going to have diverse music, songs played, uh, everything in Ebenezer. Amen? Okay. Amen. I want to read it to your hearing once more and again. Amen. Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14. You don't have to stand again. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. I want to speak from the subject, the facts of life. The facts of life. Usually, when we hear someone refer to the facts of life, our minds immediately begin to race in one direction. Without any effort whatsoever, we start to thinking about sex, about the birds and the bees about how babies are made and how they are born. We began to think of the anatomy of the human body and the distinguishing differences between men and women. These are the kinds of thoughts that typically cross our minds when someone mentions the facts of life. There was even an American sitcom that debuted in 1979 entitled The Facts of Life. And in this program, there was a group of teenage girls who lived with a middle-aged 
lady who I suppose could be referred to as uh, the den mother. And the format of the show usually focused on boy meets girl, girl meets boy, whether or not to kiss on the first date, how to say no, and all of the other questions which teenagers face as they try to adjust to their growing body. So it seems to be second nature to, to, uh, to us to equate the facts of life with intimacy, the desires of our hearts and gender differences. But you know, I can think of many facts of life which have nothing to do with the bird and the bee. Some of them are not even in the Bible as direct quotations. They are based on what we would call mother wit or what we call common sense. And Ebenezer, one of the facts of life is this. What goes around comes around. I don't know who the first person was to make that statement, but you better believe that that is a fact of life, that what goes around comes around. And another fact of life is stated in these words. When you are climbing up the ladder of success and you're on your way to the top, you better watch who you step on. But when you're on your way down the ladder, you might meet that same person on his way up. And then another fact of life is when, when you dig a ditch for somebody, you better dig too. But that ditch which you dig for somebody else might be tailor-made just for you. I don't need to remind you, you know it for yourself. That is indeed a fact of life. Well, in the Bible, we find uh, the authentic facts of life. They are not complicated, nor are they difficult for us to understand. They are so plain and so simple that even a small child can understand them. And these facts of life come to us from the inspired word of Almighty God. And they were recorded by King Solomon. Three books of the Old Testament are attributed to Solomon. The three books are Proverbs, Song of Solomon, and Ecclesiastes. There are some psalms which are also attributed to the pen of Solomon. Some writers speculate that he may have been the writer of the book of, of Job, but scholars vary widely on the extent of Solomon's writing. In spite of this, however, we are quite sure that he is responsible for much of the literature of the Old Testament. And if you're pressed for time and need a statement which summarizes Solomon's philosophy of life, his, his religious beliefs, and his general outlook on life, you need only refer to the concluding verse of the 12th chapter of Ecclesiastes. Fear God and keep his commandments. 
These are the facts of life as far as Solomon is concerned. These are the words of a man who is traditionally spoken of as the wisest human being that ever lived. These are the words of a man whose knowledge about the universe, about science, about human nature, and about things in general were far superior to that of his contemporaries. This man who spoke these words was no stranger to wealth. He was well acquainted with power. He was well acquainted with fame and had international prestige were his next door neighbor. This man who spoke these words experienced every sensual pleasure that the flesh can enjoy. In fact, Solomon had a double portion of it. Yet when he became an old man, when the year of his expiration drew nigh, when the sun and the moon became dark in his vision, when his voice grew weak and his breathing became difficult, in other words, when his own life became a burden, he looked at all the things which he had accumulated, said these words, vanity of vanity. All is vanity. In essence, Solomon was saying, Ebenezer, as I look back at all of my accomplishments on one hand and then look over into every near future and see myself standing before the supreme judge trying to offer something as a ransom for my soul, I find myself completely disgusted with all that I have done. Suddenly, Solomon says, I see all of the luster fading away from the great abundance of gold which I have accumulated. I find myself wondering just how much gold it will take to impress a God who owns the cattle upon a thousand years. How many of my elaborate furnished buildings will it take to impress a God who spoke the universe into existence and painted the sky and decorated with millions of glittering stars. How many legions of soldiers can I dispatch through the can stop the sun and calm an angry sea? How many of my silk, satin, and velvet robes can I offer a God who is robed in righteousness? clothed in holiness and wrapped in splendor and glory. How many of the lovely ladies in my harem can I offer a God who is surrounded by angels and archangels and cherubim and seraphim? How much of my choicest real estate can I deed over to God, to a God who's already got the whole world in his I don't know about you, Ebenezer, but I can see this man Solomon bent with age, stricken with years, totally disheartened and disappointed with the life he had led. Can't you hear him saying, if I could have seen then, if I could have known then, if I had the mind then that I have now, my life would have been totally different. 
I would have followed a different course altogether. Instead of seeking riches, I would have been begging for mercy. Instead of erecting buildings, have been sending up some tender timber for a heavenly mansion instead of asking uh, for that precious commodity which we call wisdom I would have been asking for the more valuable commodity of grace you see Ebenezer to fully appreciate Solomon's words and to gain a deeper insight of his life we have to look closer at his circumstances and his situation. Solomon was the son of David and Bathsheba. While very little is known about the early life, it's safe to assume that being the son of a king and being reared in a palace, he has he was given the best opportunities and advantages which Israel had to offer. Not only was he presented with great opportunity for learning. He undoubtedly made the best use of these opportunities. Quite early in his life, he must have developed an ardent thirst for knowledge, and no doubt he spent long hours in the assembling numerous facts about many different subjects. Solomon, you see, was a scholar of the finest order. He had remarkable knowledge of the natural world, of of plants and animals, as his writers will demonstrate. Not only was he able to retain an enormous amount of factual data, but he was also endowed with a quick and alert mind, which allowed him to comprehend and deal with even the most intricate situation in a moment's notice. The reign of Solomon began when his father David was informed by his wife Bathsheba and the prophet Nathan that Adonijah, another of his sons, was seeking to replace him as king. And when he heard this, David, who was old and unable to officially perform his duty, sent for Solomon and had him anointed king of all Israel. And although Adonijah was, was the oldest living son of David at the time, David had promised Bathsheba that her son Solomon would succeed him as king of Israel. So to honor his promise, Solomon became king of Israel. Solomon's reign commenced one of the most heartwarming incidents in all of biblical literature. The Bible says that Solomon had a dream in which God appeared to him and said, Ask, what shall I give thee? The young king, who at this time was very humble, passed up such coveted blessings as riches and fame and long life. Instead, he asked God for an understanding heart to judge the people and to be able to discern between good and evil. God was so pleased with his request that he is not only granted, granted this, but he surrounded him with all the material benefits that a person could possibly desire. Imagine that God gave him everything that he needed. Not only after the beginning of Solomon's reign, not long after the beginning of Solomon's reign, he was confronted with a very tricky situation, which turned out to be one of the highlights of his life. One day, two women came to him, both claiming to be the mother of the 
same child. Solomon, who unmistakably had an unparalleled knowledge of human nature, knew just what it took to bring out the truth. He sent for a sword and said that he would cut the child in half and divide the baby equally between these two women. And while one of the women consented to this action, the real mother spoke up and said, no, let her have the child. Solomon gave the child to her, recognizing that only the real mother could display such unselfish love. News of this incident spread far and wide, and people of all nations traveled great distances to see and hear this man who was endowed with such wisdom. Throughout Solomon's reign, he seemed to be bent on personal ambition. There seemed to be a driving force within him, compelling him to be the very best in any endeavored field. There seemed to be an inner compulsion to rewrite the record book that did, and to, to do out, outdo everybody and everything which he had ever, ever been done. Yes, deeply embedded in this man was this disturbing complex which wouldn't allow him to be satisfied with mediocrity or to merely maintain the status quo. He had to move out into new and larger dimensions. He had to explore new frontiers. He had to tap into reservoirs that previously gave no yield. This unrelenting driving force within Solomon caused him to launch and complete one of the greatest building programs the world has ever known. The first building erected under his administration was a significant temple, although this temple was relatively small when compared to modern houses of worship, its quality has not been equaled even to this present day. The quality of the workmanship was unparalleled. Solomon employed the most skillful of all craftsmen to construct his building. He imported the finest architects from foreign lands to draw up his plans. There were no people hired off the streets for this project. Each was carefully selected for their commitment to building the temple of the Lord. Every piece of material that went into the temple was of the finest quality. This thriving complex with Solomon did not only compel him to be the best Builder, the greatest ruler, the richest king, and the most powerful and influential monarch. He also had an insatiable desire to be the world's greatest lover. Somebody say, uh-oh. Solomon wanted to indulge in the pleasures of the flesh more than anyone before him and to fulfill his passion he took upon him 700 wives and 300 concubines that means side pieces 
for a total of 1,000 women. But Ebenezer, once he did this, it turned out to be the beginning of the end. Many of Solomon's concubine wives came from other lands and cultures. They brought with them their own customs and their own beliefs in idol gods. Solomon felt obligated to erect monuments to each of their individual beliefs and eventually went so far as to bow down in worship with them. It was the worst mistake of Solomon's reign. God was sorely displeased with Solomon's action. Here was a man who had asked for wisdom and began to act like a fool. Here was a man whom God had bestowed his choicest blessings and he was bowing down to false gods and graven images. Solomon broke commandment number one. I am the Lord thy God. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. When we look at the stark contrast between Solomon the temple builder and Solomon the idol worshiper, we have to ask ourselves whether or not we are looking at the same person. Yes, Solomon was indeed this man. Unfortunately, he was not unlike many people today. What do you mean, preacher, who, who, people who, who worship the Lord on Sunday and then follow the enemy on Monday? Personal ambition drove Solomon to his ruin. Worldly greed took, him, took away his sense of justice. Strange women destroyed his sense of morality and even destroyed his respect and reverence for the true and living God. But as time rolled on, Solomon had to pay for his disobedience. God's word reminds us, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Yes, Solomon had to pay for his sins. He had to pay for his mistakes. From the time of his fall, the reign of Solomon became less and less admirable. His kingdom grew weaker and weaker. His influence and prestige became things of the past. The economy of his nation became unstable. The citizens began to complain, and they soon rebelled against their government. Rebellion grew and grew until finally Solomon and his kingdom became divided. Solomon now, old and bitter with defeat and disgusted with what he had turned out to be, no doubt began to ask the question, what am I living for? What is God leaving me here for? What purpose could there possibly be in my continued existence? These are questions we must ask of ourselves when we realize that we have fallen short of the glory of God. Then it dawned upon him that, that sometimes, a person who has indulged deeply in sin and has made a, a, a plethora of mistakes and has tasted its bitter consequences could be effective in warning others to pursue a different course. And with that thought in mind, Solomon began writing the book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon begins with the introduction of himself 
And then goes on to say, vanity of vanity, all is vanity. I hear him say, take the advice of an old man who knows the folly of my mistake. So listen to the words of one who has suffered because of my sin. If you are seeking happiness and peace of mind, don't seek wealth. Don't seek riches. Don't seek gold. I had all those things. They meant nothing. Don't seek fame. Don't bother with power and worldwide recognition. I tried those things too, and they were meaningless. And as wonderful as it is to possess knowledge and wisdom, if you seek them for your own self-gain, you may as well stop now. Because I tried all those things. But what good are they doing me now? I hear Solomon saying, let me give you the benefit of my experience. Let me do away with all the high-sounding phrases. Let me give you the facts of life. And it boils down to this, Ebenezer. Fear God. Keep his commandments. Don't complicate your life with a host of worldly ambitions. Don't overload your schedule with a host of appointments. Just fear God and keep his commandments. These are the real facts of life. He went on to say that one day God is going to call his universal court to order and every human being will have to stand trial and answer for all the deeds of his life. It will be much better to offer God a life of reverence and obedience than to offer him a long list of earthly achievements. God ain't thinking about all your achievements. The facts of life during Solomon's time were fear God and keep his commandments. When Jesus came along, he put the same philosophy another way. When he said, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Don't try to rewrite the record books. Don't try to outdo everybody else. Just deny yourself. Take up your cross. And follow Jesus. And so as I conclude, what are the real facts of life? Lord, purge us of any hardness in our hearts. Purge us of any lust in our eyes, any selfishness in our motives. Purge us of gossip in our tongues. Lord, purge us of sin in our souls, bitterness in our words, pride in our possession. God, purge us from weakness in our flesh, friction in our friendships, lack in our love, and purge us of any lies on our lips. Purge us, God, of any wickedness in our ways, drift in our dedication, resentment, in our feelings, corruption, in our conversation. Purge us of any failure in our lives. Teach us to fear you and keep your commandments. Don't allow us to be average in our relationship with you. Don't allow us to give less and our best to you. Let me conclude with this.
There's a story told of a farmer who took pride in his agricultural success. When the local pastor came for a visit to ask why he had not been to church in some time, the farmer said, I guess you could say I have a pretty average faith under the circumstances. I attend Sunday service whenever I'm not too busy plowing my fields and herding my cattle and making my money, but I give to the poor a few times a year to make up for it. I don't curse much either, and I seldom get drunk. The pastor left bewildered. One day, the farmer asked his farmhand, Jack, to put up a new fence around the pasture. And when the fence was completed, the farmer asked Jack, is the fence good and strong? Jack replied, I can't say it's all strong because it's an average fence. Some parts are weak, but other parts are strong. There are a few gaps a yard or so long, but in other spots, I doubled the fence to make up for it. Your cattle will find it to be a good fence on the whole, but I can't guarantee it will keep them from strain. At this time, the farmer was furious. Do you mean to tell me that you built a fence around my pasture with weak spots and gaps where the cattle could get out? Don't you know that a fence must be perfect or it's worthless? Jack replied, I used to think so, but I heard you telling the pastor that it's okay to be average with the Lord. So I thought we might try it with the, with the cattle. So I say to you, Ebenezer, don't be average with God. Fear Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. The word of God for the people of God and all of God's people said, amen. At this time, we will open the doors of the church. Perhaps there is someone here that would like to give their life to the Lord. We're extending the invitation to you to join with us here at Ebenezer as we open the doors of the church. Is there one today? Come on down. Come on down. Praise the Lord. Amen. Just have a seat right there. Is there another? Is there another? Hallelujah today. The doors of the church are open. Is there one? We offer Christ to you.
Amen. We have Brandon Jones coming under his Christian experience. Praise the Lord. I know Brandon has been watching us, looking us over. We've been looking him over. Uh, Disclaimer, this is uh, uh, Trustee Jones and Sister Jones' only son right here. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Brandon, we're super excited that you are here at Ebenezer and we're excited that a young man has come. Deacon, we've been, where's Deacon Mayberry? And we've been praying for men. We've been praying, we've been praying, we've been praying. Brandon, we are super excited that you're here and we are excited to welcome you to Ebenezer Missionary Baptist Church. And we want you to know that we love you, we know God loves you, and we want you to feel a sense of belonging here at Ebenezer Missionary Baptist Church. We want to welcome you, my brother, and we want you to get to work as soon as possible. Ebenezer, let's receive him at this time. Let church say amen. 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 Let us prepare now our hearts and our minds for communion at this time. Amen. We had in Sunday school this morning, we studied uh, being prepared and being ready for communion because we recognize that communion should be revered because it reminds us of the sacrifice that Christ made on our behalf. And so the word reminds us, encourages us to examine ourselves, to look inward, to see if there's anything that ought not be that would hinder us as we seek to participate in in this communion. So let us pray at this time. Eternal God, our Father, we are so thankful for your sacrifice. We're thankful, O God, for what you did for us on the cross. And we pray, O God, that your sacrifice is revered and respected. God, we ask right now if there's anything in our minds or our hearts right now that ought not be, we ask in the name of Jesus that you would remove it so that we might not drink and eat damnation to our soul. We pray, O God, that these elements might become for us your body that was broken and your blood that was shed. God, we pray that this time that we commune together will draw us closer, closer to you because we are witnesses that we know it was the blood. It was the blood for all of us. Thank you, God, for your sacrifice. Thank you, God, oh God, for your willingness to lay down your life because nobody could take your life except you lay it down. We thank you for your sacrifice. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. And all of God's people said, amen.
If anyone has not had an opportunity to have the elements, if you could just raise your hand. And our deacon will serve you. taketh away the sins of the world. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. On the night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread. He broke it. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. As often as you eat this, you do so in remembrance of me. Eat all of it to your comfort. Like man, he took the cup, the cup of blessing, which represented his blood that was shed for you and I. As often as you drink this, you do so in remembrance of me. Drink ye all of it to his comfort. Yeah. 
Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.